we're going to share with you this morning about prayer. How important is prayer and fasting to the body of Christ? Jesus set the example of prayer. He was the one that prayed always. There are times in the scriptures and the four gospels when he would be in the healing ministry. He'd slip out of the midst while there's still sick people need to be healed. He'd slip out into the night and he prayed. Living this a perfect example of the importance of prayer. I remember something Mr. Clifford and Rosalie Patterson told me one time. When they moved to town, after they lived there for a while, some people moved in, had these large dogs, and they barked all night long. Them coming from the country, they wasn't used to that. They didn't want to offend their neighbors by talking to them about the dogs, and neither did they want to report them to the city officials. So they set out to pray. How many of you know that you can get things solved if you'll join together and pray? and pray. One morning they woke up and they thought, well, we didn't hear them dogs last night. And as they was telling me this, they said, to this good day, we do not know what happened to those dogs. We did not what? We just woke up that morning and they was gone. I want you to know prayer as we go through this morning. Number one, it'll change you. If it doesn't change you, then the prayer can't change the world. We have to be changed first. You know, a prayer, travailing prayer brings new birth. That's what we're going to title it this morning. Our hearts should be stirred as if we're living today. As scholars believe, the Lord is soon to come. We don't know when, but even that, the Lord deserves our prayer as we pray and have fellowship with him. It's so important to have fellowship with him. One of the greatest fellowship you'll ever have is prayer with God. There's nothing no greater than that in the learning to pray. The disciples says, teach us to pray. They didn't say anything else. They said, just teach us to pray. Jesus is gone. But he sent the Holy Ghost down here to teach us to pray. He's in us, and he lives in us to help us to pray. So let's look at Isaiah 42. In verse 13 and 14, let me find my place here. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry yea and roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and restrained myself. Now will cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. We find out from reading about revivals, there was two Scottish women that had started the Scottish revival, two women. They're elderly women, and they were bedfast. One was 82, and one was 84. They were so burdened with the condition of the church, they began to pray. And that's what brought the Scottish revival. We may never go to overseas somewhere, but I tell you one thing we can go, we can send our prayers. We can send our money. We can send appreciation to what God is doing in these places. 
So they started a revival. The revival changed the church. We pray about the world a lot of times, but what our most prayers ought to be about is change the church, change me. My people call by my name shall repent of their sins. And people say, well, I ain't got no sin. Well, Romans 8 and 3, 8, 3.23 says you do. But if you repent, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and bring a revival to the world. So our hearts should be stirred today. Lamentation 3 and 12 said, He hath bent his bow. He has set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows and his quibble to enter into my reins. What God is saying here, I want to use you as my reins to change the world. We cannot look for the politician of anybody to change the world and change the situation. They're in God's hand like waters in a channel. If we will pray, God will change things. He will change things. We read another scripture that says, and the Lord, as we read here in verse 13, the Lord shall go forth as a mighty, like man, and like a man of war. Spiritual prayer is taxing. It'll drain you of your physical strength. But it's the thing that changes things, is to pray. And agonizing. Real prayer is agonizing. Jesus prayed so earnestly in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweats of great drops of blood poured out of his skin. Scientists say that's possible because he was in such agonizing and pain. And I want to say this morning that he prays with you. Romans says he makes intercessory prayer for us, with us, in us, and through us. There's never a time in our lives that we pray alone. We realize that God is with us, in us, and praying through us because he wants to use us. Everybody ought to say he wants to use me. God cannot and will not do nothing without the prayers of the church. You and I cannot do anything without God working through us. We cannot. Even Jesus made that very plain in the four-book gospel. Verse 9, he said, Behold, the former things are come to pass. A new thing do I and I declare. God wants to do something new and bring forth something forth like it's never been brought before. God is looking to us, looking to you and looking to me to use us mindfully. You say, well, I can't go. I can't do this. One thing we can do is what? Pray. We can pray. Peggy got a phone call the other day, and she sort of fell down on the floor and cried and wept when they called about a situation. Travailing prayer is what gets the answers done. When you travail in the Spirit and let the Spirit flow through us. When she heard about Russell Bramlett, when Glenda... Williams called, and, and when they said that the doctor said he'll probably never walk again, and Glenda, when I talked to her, she said, I don't accept that. I want you to know you're not to walk by sight nor by feelings. We're to walk by faith. We're not accept what we feel and what we see. We accept what the living Word of God says and believe what God says and walk as what God says. 
Your feelings comes and goes. People comes and goes. But your God is always faithful with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You're never praying alone. You're never by yourself. I know sometimes it feels like that. Like Jesus said, my Lord and my God, why have they forsaken me? I don't know about you, but I feel like everybody has a time in their Christian walk sometime. You feel like God has left you. He doesn't hear your prayers. But I tell you, he hears your prayers, and he's going to answer your prayers if he had not always. God is looking to us. He needs us. He needs you as an individual. He cannot work without us. Our scriptures, we will not read this morning time because we don't have the time. People say, well, if he wants to, he could. He can't. He's got to work through us. He brought us out of darkness under this marvelous truth that we could pray and bring forth things in God. First Samuel, verse chapter 1, we read about a woman named Hannah. God had closed up her womb, and she went many years travailing, praying. In the old time, in the Christian, in the Old Testament, it was a dishonor for a woman not to bear children. It was a dishonor. It's a dishonor for the church not to bear children. If the church don't bear children after the likeness of Christ, the church will eventually die. So you got to stay alive. So she began to pray. The Bible said she was in bitterness, chapter verse 10. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept in anguish. Wept in anguish, travailed in prayer. Verse 11, and she was very pacific about what she wanted. She wanted a man. She said, God, I want you to give me a man, and I give him back to you. Anything that God gives us does not belong to us. We must be willing to give it back to him. Because in this world, we came into this world without nothing, and we're going to leave nothing. Everything you have today belongs to him. He gave it to you freely. And he's expecting it back freely. And that's why he expects us to pray. Because he's given us the heart to pray. To pray for those that need prayer. Verse 27, she said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord had given me my son, which I have asked. I want you to know this morning God does hear your prayers. One reason that we don't feel like our prayers are answered, we've asked in a miss. We ask in a lot of things for our personal self and a first be able to ask for the kingdom of God. And the blessings of God will pour after that. She raised up a child called Samuel to change his world. He brought all of Israel back to God. Israel had drifted far away from God. You may not can go, but maybe you can pray a prayer that will produce somebody that can go and that will go. That God will lay on their hearts to go. Amen? How many know that you're here today that you're looking for a missionary field? This is your missionary field. A lot of people are looking to go to another missionary field. You cannot work in another missionary field until you learn to work in this mission field. You've got to learn to work where God has set you. Then he may move you on to another place. And Samuel was the first one to start the school of the prophets. He was the only man that was hearing from God. Nobody else was hearing from God because Hannah had prayed and gave birth to a new miracle, a new way of life, a new man coming into the state. 
she had prayed so earnestly that God had gave her what she asked for. She did not ask for herself. She asked for a man. I will give him back to God for your use, for your glory, and for your honor. When God is first, he puts you first. I won't read the scripture, but he said, if you will honor me first, then I will honor you. When God is honored in our families and in our lives, God will honor us. We have to be sure that we honor him. But prayer births new life, brings new life. How many has ever prayed and got down and prayed? Maybe he was discouraged and down and out. And I remember so much about the prayer that Brother Eddie prayed one time when they was in a wreck with him and Sister Loris and Sister Rhonda was a small child and they took Rhonda to another hospital and Dolores was very seriously wounded and he got out in the hall at that hospital and prayed. Y'all ever heard Brother Eddie pray? He don't need no microphone. I remember one time Calvin McCraw told me he went home with Eddie, with Don them one time and and I think Eddie was down there in the back of the woods to pray, and he won't know what in the world is that going on out there. And they sent the priest down to talk to Brother Eddie and asked him, was everything all right? He said, everything's all right. I just touched the Father. That's the other word. When you touch the Father, things will be all right. When you hear a nurse and word from God that change your heart, you can stand up and say, everything is going to be all right. When you pray, I want to encourage you to learn, if you don't have already learned, to learn to pray. God shall supply your needs according to his riches and glory. He'll give you the ability, desire, and the energy to pray. He'll give you anything you need at any time to pray. We have another woman named Rachel, Genesis 30. She had talked to Jacob, she was so discouraged all these many years in marriage, she'd never brought forth a child. And Leith was sort of making fun of her because God had closed her womb. Listen, when God closes something, don't say it's closed. You pray for God to open what he has closed. What he's closed that no man can open, but what he's closed, he opens it for a purpose. He has a purpose in mind. And then she, the Bible says she cried unto God, Give me children unless I die. God wants every individual in the kingdom of God to be children-bearing people, to bear children in his name. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Spiritually, the things of God. We are in a spiritual warfare, has been the violent we're in a violent time. I'm talking about spiritual time. We're in violent spiritual time. But the violent will raise up and take it by force. We can take the kingdom of God back. And Jesus asked us to pray about things that he intended to do. All the promises of God are yes and amen, but they never come into our lives except by faith and by believing God. That's the only way they come in our lives. Now, even though he promised it, it will not come to us only way is by faith and prayer in the kingdom of God. It's all the way through the Bible like that, the things of God. And she prayed. In the Bible in verse 22, she said, And God remembered, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And everybody knows probably what kind of son she brought forth, Joseph. 
how Joseph, he was the instrument, Brother Michael Taylor, that he used to save all of Egypt and all of Israel. If it had not been for Joseph, all of them would have died during the famine. But God prepares a way before the famine. He may be send the famine, but he will prepare beforehand time ways to escape the famine. Now, I would like for everyone to start saying in the book of Joel, where Joel, God said, I will restore unto you all that you have lost. I want you to prepare yourself. I don't care what you have lost. Start believing God that he said, I will restore unto you what you've lost. You can get everything back that you've lost if you will believe God and have faith in God. It will come back because he said, I will give it. He told Abraham, and I think this is the only place you'll find in the Bible when Abraham come out of the worshiping idol. He said, walk before me and I will bless you. And then when Abraham got ready to pick a wife for Isaac, he told his servants that as I have walked before God, he will send his angels with you. I want you to know if you walk before God, God will send his angels and send and help you to get what you've been praying for. I believe the things of God. Jesus needs us. Y'all of you probably know the story about Joseph. He was a product of travailing prayer. Someone that prayed and asked from God. Jesus needs us to ask for his kingdom to come. Did not that he say? It says in Luke 6 and 10, pray you that what? Now he wants the kingdom to come, but it cannot come until we what? Pray. He puts very emphasis up on we must pray to receive the kingdom of God to come in our lives. Then he said, Jesus tell us, ask for a daily bread. Every day of our lives we ought to ask for what? Man does not live by bread of biscuit and gravy alone. I know somebody likes biscuit and gravy. I won't go no further than that. But you can't live by natural bread alone. You've got to pray for your spiritual bread. Every day of your life, if you're going to stay spiritual, you're going to have to pray every day, God, give me some spiritual bread today. Give me anointing today that I need today. Church, we're so blessed. You ought to shout, we're blessed here in America. We're so blessed, I think we forget how blessed we are. To the Bismarck and Jim Bobaway, he said sometimes the people go three days without getting one food to eat, and sometimes they had to eat roots and leaves to even survive. He said we're living in one of the richest countries in the world of all the things in this country, but we don't able to get it. Church, we are blessed. We ought to stand our feet and shout every day how blessed we really are. It's because what Jesus Christ has done is what our forefathers has done. Our forefathers, all of them that signed the Declaration of Independence. I got a book back there. I bought it is in a bargain bookstore just recently. And I guess it's not read that much when they put it on a bargain bookstore in uh, Books a Million. Every one of them lost their life because they signed the Declaration of Independence. Have you ever heard, put your John Hancock here? How many know why John Hancock signed his name so big? 
He said, I want the queen to know that I signed this thing, and she have no problem reading my name. We're blessed because of what they did, they stood for, and it cost them their lives. It may cost our lives and prayer for God, but if it wasn't been for him, you and I wouldn't have no life today. I'm talking about we wouldn't have no spiritual life. We probably wouldn't. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Historians say that we owe America to Churchill. If it had not been for Winston Churchill, there would not be America today. When he persuaded America to come into the war, she didn't want to come into war. He said, if you don't get involved in this war with us, you're going to be the next to be overtaken by Hitler. Church, we're strong if we bind together. If we pray together, we fast together, we worship together, we're going to be strong and not only in strong, we'll be able to help others. You ought to say amen. Glory to God. How blessed we are to be a Christian. To be a Christian. Jesus tells us to ask for laborers in Matthew 9, 38, that he would send into the harvest. What is a labor? Someone that would labor in prayer. Someone would labor before God. Someone that will pray and produce souls in the kingdom of God. Pray for labors, he said. Pray for that. Paul said, pray for that the word of God would speedily, rapidly, so people would be converted into the kingdom of God. God has chosen to work through people. He don't work no other way except through people. He's got to have you. How many of you know we're his hands and we're his feet? We're his masterpiece. You say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. I want you to remember God supplied the need that you need to be able to do whatever he calls you to do. Moses said, I can't speak, but God provided him words to say. We have the ability to do what God has called us to do through faith. Only prevailing prayer can produce power. It can bring forth deliverance and for the church to conquer the world. The early church had prevailing prayer. I want you to notice Jesus said this three times in the book of St. John. St. John 12 and 31, St. John 14 and 30, and St. John 16 and 11. Jesus said, Satan is the ruler of this world. Satan is the ruler of this world. You say, what can we do about it? Jesus said, I give you authority over all of the unclean spirit. There's no unclean spirit should rule in our lives. There should be no depression and all these kind of things and all this worry and fear that's taking this church over and individuals in the church. You have the power, even though he's the ruler of the world. We've been given the power and the authority of God to resist him in the name of Jesus Christ, and he will flee from our lives. We cannot change the world until we're changed. They'll have the power of God in our souls, in our hearts, in our minds. He may be the ruler of the world, but I guarantee you we're the ruler of him. Somebody said yes. Somebody said yes. Yes, you have the power to rule over the one that rules the world. Satan rules the world. But God has given us power to rule over him. To seek and to save that which is lost and deliver the captain and set him free. Where sin abound, grace much more abound. 
The book of Revelation said they overcame him by their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Overcame whom? The power of this world, which is Satan, can be overcame by our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. He is defeated. He shall flee. He shall flee when we stand our ground. A man told me this story one time. He was with this guy that possessed, repossessed cars, and he hooked onto this car, and, and the guy come out with a baseball bat and started beating the car that he was repossessing. And he asked the guy who was with him, said, now, you're not going to do anything about that? He said, no, I don't care if he beats the thing all to pieces. He said, I just come to repossess it. But he walked up and hit his truck. He said he got out of the truck and took his baseball out from behind the seat and said, now, listen, Beating your car is one thing, but beating my truck is something else. You hit it one more time, then I'm going to beat you. Listen, we need to stand up against the powers of the darkness this hell and resist the devil and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're not going to take authority and the power over my life or my children's life. We can change the world if we pray. I didn't say that. The Word of God said it. The Word of God said, I've given you the power and the authority of God. He sent the disciples out. and Some say, well, the disciples was the only one. No, he sent out 70. Gave them the same power. Is that right? The same power he gave the 12. He said, I give you the same power. They come back rejoicing. He said, they're subject to us. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. You know the greatest thing we ought to rejoice? Our name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. Our name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. Hallelujah. Hovering over brings forth new birth. Isaiah 66 and 8 said, As soon as Zion's travail, she brought forth her son. The word Zion, Zion, S-O-N, means the church. When the church travails, sons and daughters will be born in the kingdom of God. Pharaoh sent the Egyptian women to kill all the Egyptian babies. And then he called him before and said, why are you not killing all them babies? And they said, them Hebrew women is not like us Egyptian women. They're not like us. So they give birth quickly. They give birth quicker than we can get there. I tell you, we can give birth quickly than the devil can stop it. Egyptians are types of the devil. God has given us such authority and a power in our lives to rule this world. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's a kingdom of warfare, spiritual warfare. It's a kingdom of anguish, sorrow, and grief in the kingdom. You say, why would I want to be in it? Because that you being in it to help you escape hell. And not only that, help us escape hell, help others escape hell. Jesus ever liveth to do what? To make intercessory prayer for us. With us, for us, and in us. He wants to use us mightily in the kingdom of God. What the Holy Spirit will do, we find in Genesis. It brought forth as the Spirit hovered over the darkness and the earth without form and without void. Emptiness was everywhere, but the Spirit was hovering. In other words, the word hovering there means to bring forth something new, sons and daughters. God wants to go forth and hover 
around us individuals. He wants to release his authority and his awesome power in us and through us to convict the world, break bondage. What does the anointing do? What does the anointing do? Destroys the yoke. The anointing in our lives, first of all, is going to destroy anything that tries to bind or hold us and keep us down. The anointing inside of us goes to work and fights for us. How many know the battle's not ours? The battle is he. He's in us the hope of glory, and he battles and fights against the enemy for us. Amen? Praise God. I remember when they used to tell us when we was kids and um, Peggy told me one time, said, I didn't have as much trouble when I was living with mom and, Don, mom and daddy. I said, well, they used to tell us when you eat your sweet corn now, but it won't be long when you get out from mom and daddy, you're going to quit eating sweet corn. You're going to have to start eating some hard corn. You're going to find, when you get out from mom and daddy, if you find that out, you're going to find out what life is all about. But I tell you, Christ in us, the hope of glory, takes the place of anything else in this world. He's driven out the powers of the darkness in our life. He's driven out the ruler of our life. We're no longer ruled by the powers of the darkness. We're ruled by the anointing to destroy the yoke in our lives. He fights our battles for us. God wants to hover over us. Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Moving means to brood. He was brooding, hovering. Webster defined brooding as bringing forth offsprings. When the Spirit did not, Jesus said, I often, I would gather you as a hen of the brood, and you wouldn't let me. I want you to know God wants to hover over you and this church and all of his church. He wants to hover over them and amidst them. You know what a hen does? Especially they tell us about a dove when she sets on her eggs. She's consistently rolling them eggs around and making sure that the ones on the underside of the egg turns up and gets next to her body. How many know that God is consistently moving in your life, moving from one place to another place because he's got something in there he's going to birth. You don't know what it is yet, but something's going to come out of there just in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ because God is hovering over us and bringing forth new life and new birth as he did the first world as the Spirit of God had been run down from heaven to be in our lives. You ought to say amen. I tell you, we are so appreciative of what God has done and is going to do for us today. The Holy Spirit that brooded and hovered over the earth, he released his created energy and power. He created, released his words as Jesus spoke, you said, well, Jesus didn't create the world. Yes, he did. He said, in, I believe in St. John, before the beginning of the world, I was. All things was created by him and for him. When he spoke everything, I may preach for long, and I believe we need to learn to speak the words of God. If we learn to speak the word of God, Jesus spoke the word of God, and the Spirit hovered over it and brought it forth. When we speak the word of God, the power is in the word of God. The Spirit works together in all these things. Brooding gives birth. It gives birth. You never know what the seed's going to do, Brother Arnie, but we know it's going to bring forth. A seed cannot bring forth until first it dies. Before Jesus could ever bring forth new life, he had to die. And look what come out of it. 
his life. We cannot bring forth until we die daily. And the only way we die daily is submission to the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that crucified Jesus to crucify us and keeps us down and under. His created energy and his power is released through his word. And that word is Christ Jesus. Psalm 9 and 2 said, actually calling what the Spirit did a creation, a new birth. The Spirit brings forth a new birth. When you're born again, you are a new creature. You're new. The things you used to love, you hate. And the thing, oh, I remember the song one time. I believe he sang it years ago down at the other church. That guy, I think he was a cripple. Lord, it's me again. He tells his children, you don't have to hide behind the door no more. You got a brand new daddy. How many of you got a brand new life when you're born again? New creature, new life, new hope, new desire. Because somebody prayed for you. How many of you know that you're rejoicing and living a lot of what our mothers and dads did? Amen? A lot of it is because of what our grandparents did. Amen? Jesus said you're rejoicing and living off of things that you did not produce, that others have reproduced it for you before you ever got here. Amen? We are, should be so grateful for those that went on before us and what they left for us. And what we should do is take it with zealous zeal and build upon what they have given us. Not criticize and find fault, but to build on what they've given us and see how far we can take it in things in the kingdom of God, the blessings of God. He said, actually calling what the Holy Spirit did a creation of a new birth. Before the, before the mountain, it goes on to say in Psalm 90, before the mountain were born, Thou didst give birth to the earth and the world. Even from the everlasting to everlasting, thou art our God. How many know the mountain started from a seed? Everything tree that you see, even if you've ever been to California and see the mighty red oak, it came from a seed came from a seed. Your life came from a seed of Jesus Christ. It groweth, and you don't know how it groweth. You sleep and grow through your life, but the Spirit of God grows in your life, and you don't know how, because he's the author of these things. The worker is the Holy Spirit. Before the morning, the mountains were born, he said, I gave it life. Travailing prayer brings new birth. Zechariah 12 and 10 says, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. How many are thankful for grace? The favor of God. You have the favor of God. You're gloriously anointed by God. 
and of supplication for a purpose to pray. To pray. He's going to pour out his spirit. He said, I will pour upon the house. I will pour out, it says Ezekiel 39 and 29 and Joel and 228. I will pour out. How many know he's already poured out? He poured it out on the day of Pentecost. He poured it out. He's still pouring it out. He's the same yesterday, today, forevermore. I change not and I know respect the person. Tell Pilate, I'm inherited the wicked king. I walked yesterday and I'm going to walk today and I'm going to walk forevermore. He changes not. He's still pouring out. This air is charged with the presence of God to fill us in an overflow life. Titus 3 and 6 says, He have richly or abundantly poured out his spirit. He has richly, abundantly poured out his spirit in us. And it goes on to 1 Timothy 1 and 12, to Christ that enables us. You know, the scripture said he shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The spirit is in us and he enables us for any task that he gives us to do. He blesses us with everything that we need have in life. God wants to go forth, and he wants to hover around over every individual. He wants to release his awesome power to bring conviction to the world, to break all bondages, to bring revelation, and draw them to himself in order to cause new birth and bring forth a new creation, the Spirit of God wants to birth through us. God needs us, and we need him to bring forth a new creation and bring new birth. Without him, we can do nothing, and without us, he can't do anything. So God bless you for here today. Let the Lord work through each and every one of us abundantly. And another scripture says he has enabled us. And Paul said in another place, he said, it's the Christ of glory that is inside you to enable you to do what he's called us to do. God bless you as they come, whatever they decide for us. God bless you.